Um, but last week when we reviewed in our Gems for Jeremiah, those special truths, uh, precious truths of God's word, we found that uh, uh, we're to be true to the true God. True to the true God. And this was the problem that that Judah had, and they had the horrible example of Israel, the northern tribes, that, that they rejected God, and of course God brought judgment by bringing down the Assyrians upon them. And then 100, 120 years later, uh, they were being threatened the same way by Babylon, and God was just saying, and basically the prophet's message is simply, go by the Bible, get back to the Bible, get back to the Word of God, get back to the God of the Scriptures, get back to... Um, the Lord, and over and over again, and we found that uh, as in 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 the, that in our day and age, of course, we're we're taught to be true to the true God as well, and we have to be com- uh, uh, careful about compromise, and, and uh, our compromise may be be in a little different areas, but we still have to be very careful. Um, you know, I'm so happy that we're independent. In other words, we're not in part of a a hierarchy, a denomination that dictates to us who we can support, where we can go, what, what Sunday school materials we can use. Believe it or not, some of these denominations. And then sadly, some of the conventions, some of the associations, and yes, even some of the fellowships, more or less uh, like to control the local church. But if we want to build an, F, an educational wing, we decide to build it. If we want to build an FLC, we we build it. We want to have an addition or remodeling. We ourselves do it, and thank the Lord for that. But there are some certain fundamental truths that we have to hold on to. Never, never, never compromise because without those basics, what if, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? And there in Psalms, and that is that the Bible is the inspired and errant uh, a word of infallible word of God. We're almost up to seven different adjectives to describe the Bible, what we believe about the Bible. And then the deity and the virgin birth of Christ. You know, Christ was sinless, son of God. He was God and he was man. He was the God man, fully God and fully man. And then also the substitutionary atonement. Think of atonement at one moment. The Lord Jesus Christ, <clears throat> he remember he said it is finished. Salvation was complete. And we know that that was complete because the next fundamental, the resurrection, the bodily resurrection of Christ. And yes, the second coming of Christ, that Jesus said, I will come again. And we believe he personally will absolutely, and bodily will come again. You say, well, what is that? Why is that so important? Well, believe it or not, I have read, and I can't, you think, oh, come on, Pastor Colton. That's not true. Uh, that's not true. But I actually read doctrinal statements by churches and it says that we believe that uh, Jesus uh, Christ is um, coming again every time somebody loves somebody else. That's Jesus loving, coming again. <laughs> well, that sounds real spiritual. But, <laughs> but what, are, what are they doing? Well, what they're doing is they are, ac- uh, uh, they are actually... Uh, hey, fellas, I, I think I'm hearing... Uh, I, I be honest with you, I'm, I'm hearing you talk or, okay, so I'm sorry, I gotta say, you know, I, I don't know if you could hear or not, oh, my wife says, so thank you, <laughs> okay, um, but anyhow, uh, but in other words, that again, the, the fundamentals of the faith, we have to hold on to them, we have to hold on to those, those truths, and, uh, 
So let's charge onward tonight, shall we? And we'll go to Jeremiah chapter 17. And the theme verse that we heard was <clears throat> that uh, the, uh, if you go to Jeremiah chapter 17, and we looked at <clears throat> verse <clears throat> uh, 16, 19, where it says, O Lord, and, and this is what I love about Jeremiah, he always, he continues to that, develop that personal, we saw this last week, that personal relationship with Christ, to develop it. That's the most important relationship that you and I have in our lives, is our relationship with the Lord. And we have that relationship, and we want to maintain that relationship. We want to have that fellowship. We want to walk with the Lord, like Noah walked with the Lord. Enoch walked with the Lord. And you and I want to walk with the Lord. And Jeremiah says, O Lord, my strength, my fortress, and my refuge there. And, and we, <clears throat> we found that he is, God is our power. He's our protection. He's our portion. Well, now, as, I, as we turn to here in Jeremiah 17, I'd like to read verses 1 through 14. I'm not sure how far we'll get all this tonight. But tonight, I could, uh, the, you know, the title here, The Lord, Our Only Hope. And he absolutely is our only hope. And you know, hope in the Bible is the idea of, it's not I hope so, I hope so, but it's a no-so. There's a confident assurance that we have. The Lord is our security. The Lord is our refuge. The Lord is our strength. The Lord is our fortress and our protection. And as we uh, read this, would you just pay attention to this. Notice the contrast. That's what we want to focus on tonight. Notice the contrast that we have here. All right, and I'll try to, just real quickly as we read, uh, I, I'll go 1 through 14, all right? Just follow with me, please. The sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron. Notice, oh, how heavy it is. And with a point of a diamond, how sharp it is. Their sin was heavy, it was sharp. And with a point, I'm sorry, with a point of a diamond. And it's graven, it was ingrained upon the table of their hearts, upon the horns of the altar. Whilst their children remember that their altars and their groves by green trees upon the high hills. O my mountain in the field, I will give thy substance and all thy treasure to the spoil and thy high places for sin through all thy borders. And thou, thy, even thyself, shalt discontinue from thine heritage that I gave thee. I will cause thee to serve thine enemies in a land which thou knowest not. For ye have kindled a fire in mine anger which shall burn forever. Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. For he shall be like a heath, in other words, a bush, a, uh, a bush <clears throat> that is stripped in the desert, and shall not see good when it cometh, but shall inherit the parched places in the wilderness, as in salt land, of salt land and not inhabited. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters, and spreadeth out her roots by the river, and shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green, and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. 
Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give to every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. As the partridge sitteth upon eggs and hatcheth them not, so is he that getteth riches, not by right, shall leave them in the midst of his days, and at his end shall be a fool. A glorious high throne from the beginning is the place of our sanctuary. O Lord, the hope of Israel, all that forsake thee shall be ashamed, and they shall depart from me, shall be written in the earth, because they have forsaken the fountain of living waters. Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved, for thou art my praise. All right, let's pray, shall we? Father, we thank you for tonight. Thank you for we're in this very comfortable building and it's sort of a cool fall, uh, winter night. We thank you for the ministries going on and we pray your blessing, especially tonight on the basketball outreach that the Spirit of God will work in the hearts and lives of young people for salvation and for spiritual growth. And also, Lord, pray your blessing on the Iwana program, the parenting series, the discipleship that's going on, as well as the other Bible studies. And thank you, Lord, for this time we have together. I thank you for these men and women that have taken the time, effort, and energy tonight to be in prayer meeting to, so we can pray with and for each other. And Lord, so we can learn your word and learn your truth in the middle of the week to take the time, Lord, to just give us a boost of energy, Lord, to, to live for you the rest of this week, of course forever, but to live for you especially for the rest of this week. Lord, encourage us, we do pray, and thank you for your goodness and grace. In Jesus' name, amen. I always thought it was in 1752, but doing a little more research. In 1742, just down the road here in Philadelphia, 50 Baptist preachers got together. And they said, you know, we want to teach our people the Bible. We want to teach them the Bible. We want to teach them what God says. And they came up with something, and some of you may be familiar with it. It's called catechism. Okay, anybody ever go to the catechism? Okay, they might be Catholic. Okay, mostly might be Catholic. The Protestants have them too. But now there's nothing wrong with that method, okay? There's not, we're not saying anything wrong with that method, but it's a question and then an answer, a question and then an answer, okay? It's a mnemonic device, that answer. But I love what the question was. 1742, 279 years ago, what was the first question they wanted asked to help their young people? And the question was, is... What is it that everyone wants out of life? That's a good question. 279 years later, I think I could I would say, uh, what is it that everyone wants <laughs> in life? You know, isn't it, it's amazing, isn't it? What is it that everyone wants out of life? And their answer was happiness. I don't think that answer has changed in 279 years. Happiness. That's whatever, whatever makes you happy, right? That's what people say, okay? But isn't that interesting? Happiness. Oh, but how I love the second question. Where is this happiness to be found? And I love especially the, their answer. In God alone. In God alone. Now, happy is the people whose God is the Lord. Psalm 144, 15. Why must this happiness be found in God? Because God created man for his own glory. How does this prove that happiness lies only in God? Because God made man so he can't find happiness unless he is glorifying God. Unless he is glorifying God. 
Now, it's interesting. That was in 1742, okay? About 24 years later, another document was written in the city of Philadelphia. Uh, anybody know what it was? Declaration of... And some, somewhere they wrote something like, uh, all men are created equal and endowed by their creator were certain inalienable, that means God-given rights, which are life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. I thought some of you were going to say life, liberty, and Levin. But (laughs) (laughs) that would be true too. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. He's from Philadelphia, by the way. Okay. But, But isn't that interesting? Isn't it? Now, what do they mean by that? Oh, ha- happiness. And, and essentially, we don't mean the, the sense of gaiety and all that, that we normally think happiness. But really, it is in a sense of that joy. Folks, let me tell you something. There's no greater joy in this world, and you will never find it apart from God. And how do we find, how do we experience that joy in God is doing what, doing what he tells us to do going by the Bible because we just read scripture that said blessed is the man that what the trusteth in the Lord right whose hope is in the Lord okay and the person who's not trusting the Lord not relying upon the Lord he ain't happy he ain't happy he's that person's going to try to find happiness and joy you know somewhere else now, of course, that doesn't mean everything's hunky-dory. The wealth and uh, the health and wealth gospel or the wealth and health gospel, that's a false gospel. We're not saying that. Of course, we realize there's trials and difficulties, but there's our inner peace, that there's inner joy, there, there, there's that inner strength that the Lord gives us. Gives us. Well, let's look more, a little bit more specifically, shall we, as we study this scripture. Now, I think real simply, uh, what I would like to do is just... Uh, for you, for uh, if you take your little hand out there and just notice real quickly, in r- one review, we found that one surrender to God's will will produce God's blessing upon others as well. And the whole Christian life is one of surrender. We found that the last couple weeks, and we and sometimes we think of surrender. That's a ne- what do you mean surrender? Uh, we think that that's a ne- negative thing. Oh, surrender, but really that's how we. That's how we live for God. That's how we start our relationship with God. We surrender to him. We, 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 we yield to him. We yield to him. That's, what's, that's what salvation is really, yielding to God. You know, I, I can't do it on my own. I can't get, you know, I, I, there's no, I can't reach that. I can't reach heaven on my own. I can only reach it by God reaching down to me. And that's what he did in the person and work of his dear son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ. And when you and I surrender to do God's will, we will be a blessing to others as well as ourselves. We will be a blessing to others as well as ourselves. If you want to be a blessing to your family, to your mom and dad, your husband, your wife, your children, your grandkids, you want to be a blessing to them surrender to God surrender to God and you will be a blessing and you will be a blessing to everybody when you and I when we surrender to God well real quickly our text main text here we're launching off the Lord our only hope 
And these verses, blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, whose hope is in the Lord. And then he's very, it's, it's interesting, isn't it, how you have this, like, contrast. You have this contrast, blessed or cursed, blessing. And then notice the heart, and he, and he, really, he gets to the heart of the issue right away. What's the problem? What is the problem that man has? What is the problem, sadly, that you and I have, even though we're, still, we're God's people? we still have a sin problem, don't we? I always like to describe sin as this and I, I, uh, with our assurance uh, uh, discipleship. And thank you all for, for, I know some of you, many of you are, I know are involved in discipleship. Lord bless you for that. Thank you for taking the time, the effort, energy to disciple others. Some with ladies with ladies, men with men, and, with, and, and, and some folks with couples. But assurance, I think before you and I are saved, sadly, our, our sin can be demonstrated as a straight line. Well, I helped a little old lady across the road. Well, that, I'm proud of you. That's good, <laughs> okay? But it's like, look what I did. Look what I did. I did this, and I did this. And sin is like our straight line. But once we're saved, in fact, the Bible says we say we have no sin, we make God a liar, and his truth is not in us. But once you and I are saved, our sin is like a dotted line. We still sin. I mean, you know, none of us have arrived until we do arrive, okay? <laughs> Just like, yeah. but, but in other words, our sin is like a dotted line. Your goal, my goal, is to get those dots as far away from each other as possible as far away from each other as possible. That's what we want to do. Why? Well, we have to be careful. We have to guard our hearts because it's deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? God, see, God knows why we do what we do. He knows our motivations. We got to guard our motivations because it says, I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins. I know what's really going on in your heart and mind to give to every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. But what does Jeremiah go back to? He goes back to God. He goes back to his own personal relationship with God. In a sense, we find here, you know, he, he, you know he's, well, we call him the weeping prophet, right? You know, we call him the weeping prophet because they, nobody ever listened. In fact, they never did. They didn't listen to him. I want to tell you something, though. That man, hundreds, thousands of years later, is a blessing because that's what we're, I, I'm sure he had no idea that across the pond, you know, across the you know, Atlantic Ocean, uh, 2,000, some 2,500 years later, people are going to be remembering what I wrote down for God. I'm sure he never thought of that. But he said, if that's what God wants me to do, that's what I'm going to do. You see, he was fully surrendered to God. And, uh, you know, and I study this, and I was telling my wife, I said, honey, I can't, I think I was telling you this, but uh, I said, honey, I can't believe the parallelisms between the Apostle Paul and the prophet Jeremiah. I mean, both talk about being, being separated from their mother's womb to be a prophet of God, be a spokesman for God. Uh, both of them, guess what? Their messages many times were not well received. They were cast in the prison. They were cast in the prison. And how'd they end up? Well, the Apostle Paul, tradition says he was beheaded, right, under evil Emperor Nero. And Jeremiah was, was, died in Egypt. Some believe he was stoned to death by the Jews that lived there. But you know what? Guess what? I'm thankful for these men that love God. They love God. 
And that's what we need. We need men. We need women. We need moms and dads and grandmoms and grandpops. And we need boys and girls and teenagers. Guess what? That love God. They love God. They want to do what's right. They want to do what's biblical. Even if the world doesn't want them to. They say, you know what? God is the most important relationship in my life. I want to do what God wants me to do. And if we do that, we will be a blessing to others. We do, will be a blessing to others. So <clears throat> let's um, look now. It's sort of a sad thing here. But what's going on here? Well, in Jeremiah 17, we see the compromise and the curse of trusting man. And, and Jeremiah is trying to drive this home. He says there in, in verse 5, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth man. Not very pleasant. I mean, judging the, uh, judgment on the man that com, can relies upon man, that maketh his flesh himself his arm, and his heart departeth from the Lord. For he shall be, what, in other words, someone who trusts in, hims, uh, in himself. I was just recently at a wedding. And I'll never forget what the person said at the wedding. He said this. It wasn't a pastor. I'm not sure what he was. But he said this. Our salvation lies in people. He used those words. He used those very words. Our salvation, our Savior lies in people. Can you imagine that? I don't know if that's new age or whatever it is. Why is I'm, I'm glad my salvation doesn't lie in people. Right, Brother Wilson? I know you don't. You're glad it doesn't lie. You said, that's what he said. God was never mentioned. There was no prayer for anything, not even for the meal. And I thought, whoa. I, I just couldn't believe that. I never, in my life, I never. I mean, even, even apostates, at least they, they, they have formal prayers. You know what I mean? And by the way, a lot of those prayers are precious because they were written by believers that love God. But of course, you know, having a form of godliness but denying the power there from such what? Turn away. My wife knows that verse. <laughs> I'm just saying it every other, other every day. No, just kidding. But <laughs> no, from such turn away, have nothing. It, it's not an option or suggestion. You, 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 you know, well, let me work with unbelief. You know, I'll, you know. No, you, you, you turn away. You know, you turn away. You separate from unbelief. <clears throat> so, but anyhow, uh, this is what he's saying. Well, one of the... It, Every time I read this story, my, so I'd like you to turn there, if you would, please. The Second Chronicles, Second Chronicles, chapter fourteen. Would you turn there? And I want to spend a little time here because this is so important that we see that that um, we uh, in Second Chronicles, chapter uh, fourteen, <coughs> where uh, we see that uh, the, the the sad, 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 sad situation of uh, King Asa. Uh, and I, I've known people, they've named their, their sons Asa. And not, not, well, well, if you read it, it it's a, what a challenge, but it saddens. Second Chronicles 14. Will you turn there, please? Second uh, Chronicles 14. Now, you know, when Chronicles is, is a record, is, is a history, some conservative scholars actually believe that Ezra, you've heard of him, that he's the one that compiled these 
writings. But notice what it says. And I'll read it as quick as I can, but I want us to focus in on something. So 2 Chronicles 14. I call it the, the con contradictory contrast example where one, one's faith versus one's flesh. Remember, who's on flesh, um, and, and Jeremiah was talking about the flesh. They rely upon their flesh, the arm. So Abijah slept with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David, and Asa his son reigned in his stead. In the days the land was quiet ten years. Can you imagine ten years of peace? That would be wonderful, wouldn't it? And Asa did that which was good and right in the eyes of the Lord their, his God. For he took away the altars of the strange gods and the high places and break down the images and cut down the groves. Yeah, boy, he didn't learn. He didn't allow compromise. And he commanded Judah, what did he command them? To seek the Lord God of their fathers to do the law and the commandment. He said, pray and go by the Bible. Wouldn't it be, wow, can you imagine if we had a leader like that? Whoa, <laughs> that'd be unbelievable, wouldn't it? Whoa, and he took away all, out of all the cities of Judah and the high places and the images and the kingdoms that were quiet before him. He, he did away with all the false worship, okay? And he built uh, fenced cities in Judah for the land had rest and no war in those years because the Lord had given him rest. I wonder if the Lord had given him rest. Well, we know because he sought the Lord. He asked for God's help. Okay, and he honored God. He honored God. And notice what happened. Therefore he said unto Judah, let us <clears throat> build these cities and make them walls. In other words, this is Asa and towers. Oh, oh wow, that's something. They said, let us build walls. You ever hear about that? But <laughs> And towers and gates. And I said, I never heard of that before building a wall. <laughs> it's right in the Bible, okay? And towers and gates. Why? For defense of your country. Uh, while the land is yet before us, because we have sought the Lord our God, we have sought him, and he hath given us rest on every side, so they built and they prospered. And Asa had an army of men that bear targets and spears out of Judah, three, 300,000 out of Benjamin, the, the little tribe, that bears shields and drew bows, 200 and fourscore thousand. All these were mighty men of valor. And there came out against them, by the way, can always guarantee you one thing. You, you go on for God, you're going to have opposition. The, mark it down. You know this. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Just to remind you, you go on for God, Satan doesn't like it. He'll do everything he can to throw your darts at you. He'll do everything he can to say, hey, you're a Christian, look at you, so a Christian, you love Jesus, look what happened to you. He will do that. I guarantee you. And by the way, sometimes he'll use people to do it. All right, so don't be surprised that you live for God. You, you, did, you stand for God when you have opposition because that's what happened. And there came out against them Zerah the Ethiopian with a host of a thousand thousand of 300 chariots and came unto Mereshoth. Then Asa went out against him and they set battle in array in the valley of Zephathah of Mereshoth. And Asa cried unto the Lord his God and said, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help whether with many or with them that have no power, help us, O Lord, our God. For we rest on thee, and in thy name we do go against this multitude. O Lord, thou art our God. Let not man prevail against thee. What a wonderful leader. He said, Lord, he took his problem to the Lord. He took his problem of his nation to the Lord. I appreciate so much praying with Brother Wayne tonight. And many times... He, 
ask us to pray. I said, Wayne, do you have any requests? And many times he said, please pray for our nation. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. He says, please pray for our nation. Don't you think we need prayer? I mean, <laughs> okay, we sure do. All right. So the Lord, what happened is he asked God for help. He asked his Lord help. He says, so the Lord smote the Ethiopians before Asa and before Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. And Asa and the people that were with them pursued them unto Gerar, and the Ethiopians were overthrown, and they could not recover themselves, for they were destroyed before the Lord and before his host, and they carried away much spoil. And they smote all the cities round about Gerar, for the fear of the Lord came upon them. They spoiled all the cities, for there was much exceeding much spoil in them. They smote also the tents of the cattle and carried away sheep and camels in abundance and returned to Jerusalem. They were just minding their own business. They were happy as God's people. And then, of course, Zerah the Ethiopian comes. Oh, we want to attack them. And they said, Lord, you know, we need your help, and God helped them. And what was the result? Well, in Second Chronicles 15, real quickly, and the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded. And he went out to meet Asa and said unto him, Hear ye me, Asa, and all of Judah and Benjamin, the Lord is with you while you be with him. And if you seek him, he will be found of you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Now for a long season, Israel had been without the true God and without a teaching priest and without law. But when they in their trouble did turn, notice what it says with me please, unto the Lord God of Israel and sought him, he was found of them. He was found. And in those times there was no peace to him that went out, nor to him that came in, but great vexations were upon all the inhabitants of the countries. And the nation was destroyed of nation, city of city, for God did vex them with all adversity. Be ye strong therefore, and let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. God honors obedience. God blesses obedience. He blesses obedience. I wish that were the end of the story. I wish that was it. Remember I said contrast. Well, let's see what happens. Second Chronicles 16, real quickly. In the sixth and thirtieth year of the reign of Asa, Basha, king of Israel, that's the northern tribe, came up against Judah and built Ramah to the intent that he might let none go up and come to, into Asa, king of Judah. Can I just have those maps real quick? The first one, both maps. If you notice, you, you know that Israel's the northern tribes, okay? Then Judah. Now, sadly, I'm sorry, Ramah's not on this, but according to my studies, you see where Jerusalem is, okay? See where Jerusalem is? Ramah was just about five miles, uh, well, uh, uh, just a few miles north of there. So it was right on the border, okay? So notice what happened here. So, in other words, Basha's building a city, and then this is verse 2. Then Asa brought out silver and gold out of the treasures of the house of the Lord and the king's house and sent to Ben-Hadad, king of Syria. So he, 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 so he goes, and, and oh, can you give me the next map? I think... Is there one? Okay, yeah. Uh, okay. Oh, yeah, there it is, Damascus. Okay, you're going to see it. So wait a minute. He goes, and he says, oh, I need the, the king of uh, Syria. I need his help. Oh, wait a minute. Whoa. Huh? Wait a minute. Same guy who said, God, help us? And he said, he's trying to get help from people. 
You saw him? Okay, let's see what happens here. <clears throat> there is a league, be and he said, and he's, uh, he's trying to, there is a league between me and thee, and as there was between my father and thy father. Behold, I have sent thee silver and gold. I, I sent you money. Go and break thy league with Basha, king of Israel, that he may depart from me. Then Ben-Hadad hearkened unto king Asa. He said, well, yeah, this guy, give me money. Okay. And sent captains of his armies against the cities of Israel and smote Ijon and Dan and Abermaim and all the cities of Naphtali. And if you look on the map, in other words, those ones in the north. Could you go back to the next one, uh, Greg? Okay, yeah, this is a little bit. You can sort of see this, this, the cities along there that he had to uh, uh, fight or, or wanted to um, destroy from um, Basha. Okay, then notice, and it came to pass when Basha heard it that he left the building of Ramah and left his work, and Asa the king of Judah, and they carried away the stones of Ramah and the timber thereof where Basha was building, and he built therewith Gibbah and Mizpah. Now what happens? What's the result of going to the king of Syria for help against their enemy Israel? Okay. And at that time, Hadaniah the seer came to Asa king of Judah and said unto him, because thou hast relied on the king of Syria and not relied on the Lord thy God, therefore is the host of the king of Syria escaped out of thy hand. And then he, he goes back. Don't you remember? Were not the Ethiopians and the Lubans, that was the Libyans, okay, the Libyans, a huge host with very many chariots. We read about that in horsemen. Yet because thou didst rely on the Lord, he delivered them into thine hand. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. Herein thou hast done foolishly. Therefore, from hence thou shalt have wars. Don't you remember how God helped you in the past? Folks, let's not forget how God, we're all, thank you, you're all, we're all healthy enough to be here tonight. Thank you for coming. That's the grace of God, amen? How many of you have had surgeries? Had surgery, okay. How many? Uh, wow, uh, just keep them up there. Keep them, okay. The, I would say the vast majority of people here have had some type of surgery. Probably 80% of you, okay. I, look at Kevin, boy, you're a miracle, right? Okay, well, all that happened to him, okay. And Brother Robinson, you're doing great, okay? You always look good anyway, but okay. No, okay. And, and, but, but think of it. We must never forget. It's God that keeps us in him. We live and move and have our what? Very being. It's, God is the one that keeps our heart beating, okay? God's the one who gives us the breath. Let's never forget how good God is to us and how he's helped us in the past. And then notice... Because the eyes of the Lord run to it. God, see, God, if God be for us, who can be against us? God's for you. I can't, under, I can't say exactly why every single thing happens to you. Some things are, are, are rough and difficult and, and trying, I, you know. But God is there for you. Then, now, what, what was the response of Asa when he was rebuked in the name of the Lord? He said, buddy, you didn't go by the Bible. You sinned against God. What was his, it? Was, he said, but I wish it were, oh man, I messed up. You know, I, I, Lord, please forgive me. I, I was foolish. You know what? God would have respected that. 
But notice what happened when Asa was confronted. Then Asa was wroth with the seer. He was wroth with the prophet. Put him in prison house, for he was in a rage with him because of this thing. And Asa oppressed some of the people at the same time. See what I mean? He oppressed some of the people. When he was not a, didn't honor God, he hurt people. When he did not honor God, he hurt people. When he was not a blessing, he hurt people. I want to say something. Folks, when you and I dishonor God, we hurt others. Okay? We hurt others. I remember, doesn't, and some of you know, well, I remember years ago, there were two young, there was grandparents, and they always brought their grandkids, grand, their the granddaughters to our church. They always brought them to our, it was wonderful, it was precious. They always, now, their son never came, but, but they brought their granddaughter. And I remember, and, and, the, and, the, and the grandmom went to be with Jesus, and the grandfather was still there. And I remember visiting the grandfather. And I, and, and I wonder, how, how are things going? How are things going? Okay. And, well, things eventually weren't going so well. And uh, I called up, and I talked to the aunt. Now, the aunt had nothing to do with our church. I'm going to, you know, okay. But I talked to the aunt. Hey, huh? And, and, and uh, I found out through the grandfather that his son left his granddaughter's mother for another woman, okay? Which happens, you know, I mean, it used to be years ago that wish had been looked down upon by society, but, but you know, it's accepted now. And, and it's par for the course. Who doesn't do that, right? I'm serious. You know, it used to be wrong, now it's okay. But God doesn't say it's okay, all right? This is what saddened my heart more than anything. I said to the, his aunt, I said, oh, I'm, so, I'm so sorry to hear that. And she says, well, you know, he's a born-againer. He's a born-againer. That's how, exactly how she said. I said, well, lady, you may think he's a born-againer. <laughs> no, I didn't say But, but that's, that, was, that's, that was her response. That was her response. No, I'm not saying, Lord forbid, because you and I can do whatever, you know, we're, we're sinners, and we, we can, you know, we can sin any way, shape, or form. We have not arrived till we do arrive. But that, that attitude, that attitude like saying, oh, I wish you'd get right with God. Thank, please pray, Pastor, that he gets right with God. Please pray that he repent. And he never did repent. Isn't that sad? But if he had done, you know, but we have to be careful that we, 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 when we sin, we hurt other people. It's not just us. You're not just living in an island by your itty-bitty self. When you and I sin, we hurt others. And we don't want to hurt others. We want to help others. And you and I, when we live for the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm telling you something, you help others. You just being here tonight is a blessing to me. I'm serious. Because the majority of the people in our church aren't here. Let's be candid. We do very well percentage-wise. We do very well percentage-wise, okay? I mean, I would go to these small country churches and 50, 60, 75 people, there would be five, maybe six people in adult Sunday school class. Oh, really? I'm thinking, wow, I would, 
I was, I, I'm, I never regretted going to one of those Sunday school classes. Like, oh, well, yeah, maybe he didn't care for the guy real good. But you know, he's teaching the Bible. He's teaching the Word of God, and I need that. You folks just being here tonight's a blessing because the majority of God's people say, hey, I don't need prayer. I don't need God. I don't need the Bible. Sunday night, huh? I gotta watch my football game. Well, you know what? Do you ever hear DVRs? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, no. no I, you know what I'm talking about. I know I'm preaching to the choir, okay? I know that. But I'm just telling you. The weeping prophet. Don't you think pastors can identify with Jeremiah a little bit? Don't you think they can? I think we can. These little country, you know, the little country churches. Hey, if my children were in a little country church, I would thank God Almighty for their pastor. I don't care. I don't care if there's 10 people, 5 people, 1,000 people. I won't care as, as long as that dear man is trying to preach God's word and tell them how to get to heaven and how to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. But instead, Asa got mad and he hurt other people because he went against God. Now, notice what happened. And behold, the acts of Asa, lo, they are written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. It says this, And Asa in the 39th year of his reign was diseased in his feet until his disease was exceedingly great. Notice what happened. Yet in his disease he sought not the Lord, sought not to the Lord, but to physicians. Now we're not saying, oh, doctors are wrong. No. But did he ask God for help? Lord, help me. I got this horrible illness here, you know. Now I'm not saying God would have necessarily removed it, but it, it says he didn't ask God to help him. Wait a minute, he, isn't this the same guy that, uh, like, our nation is, like, attacking, attack? We need you, and God honored you. But he didn't honor God. And they buried him in his own sepulchers, which he had made for himself in the city of David, laid him in the bed, which was filled with sweet odors and divine kinds of spices prepared by the Othabacari's art, and made a very, very great burning for him. What's the application? We will utterly fail if we rely upon ourselves and others and not upon God. We need to rely upon God. We need to trust the Lord. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be what? Happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. The greatest joy in our lives is to know what the Bible says, do what the Bible, and, and, know, and believe. First, you've got to believe. Know what it says, because a lot of people... They know what the Bible says, but they don't necessarily believe it, okay? They know what the Bible says. You believe what the Bible says, and then we obey what the Bible says. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, your truth. We thank you for the good example that Asa was when he relied upon you and put his faith and trust in you and asked for you to help him. And Lord, we thank you also for the truth of Scripture that sadly we do not want to follow his example as when he didn't ask for you for help. He relied upon himself, his own ingenuity, his, uh, his uh, own thinking, and not upon your truth and your word and asking you for help. Help us do all we can to be an encouragement and blessing to each other by, Lord, we know we will be when we seek to go by your word and your truth. May we truly hide it in our hearts that we will not sin against thee. We know it goes first in our minds, in our thoughts. And Lord, please help us to meditate there in day and night, to ponder what you say. And then, Lord, please help us by your grace and power and spirit to live it. 
And we thank you for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, folks. Lord bless you. Please turn to Exodus 15 this morning. Exodus chapter 15. A special welcome to my mom, Susie Jones. Mom, if you just raise your hand, she's over here next to Jody. She's up for Thanksgiving from Virginia. And so we're so glad uh, that you can be up for Thanksgiving time. Appreciate uh, Scotty coming up from college, brought her up. And, and uh, not going to tell you how old she is. She's, she's almost 89, but I'm not going to tell you how old she is. But uh, she does not act her age. She loves our ministry, prays for us. She gives to missions uh, here through our church as well worship online so we're glad you can be here in person today exodus chapter 15 last sunday we saw god's providence as god used five women to to change the world how by saving baby moses in spite of a law to drown all the jewish baby boys in the land and you can you can put in your bible a capital p for providence God's providence all over Exodus chapter 1 and chapter 2. Fast forward from that time, 80 years later, Moses experiences God at the burning bush. And so now we're going to fast forward to Exodus 15, and let me give you the highlights of what's happening here. And so the first 40 years of Moses' life, he spends it in Pharaoh's palace, uh, and then he attempts to rescue an Israelite uh, and he kills an Egyptian. And so he then is banished and he flees and spends the next 40 years in the backside of the desert tending his father-in-law's flocks. Now God hears the prayers of the Jewish people uh, who are horribly mistreated. And God sends Moses uh, to Pharaoh to deliver the Jews. God brings 10 plagues on Egypt. And by the way, it is verified by an independent eyewitness in the papyrus called the Apuwer Papyrus. It's at the Leiden Museum in Holland. And I think you can see here as it is on display, it says an Egyptian parallel to the biblical Ten Commandments. That is really cool. That is really cool. We're going back 3,400 years. And this is what it says about this papyrus. The papyrus is an eyewitness account describing violent upheavals in Egypt, starvation, drought, escape of slaves with the wealth of the Egyptians, and death throughout the land. If that is not a description of the 10 plagues from Exodus, then I don't know what is. Pretty amazing. It's called an extra biblical account. We don't need that, but it's really cool when we see it that our Bible is verified by history and archaeology. Well, then God parts the Red Sea and delivers the Jews, and he drowns the Egyptian army, and we see that in, in uh, chapter 14 and verse 30. The Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. Talk about a roller coaster of emotions. Think about how you would feel if you were one of these two million Jews living in Egypt at this time. Your people have been in slavery, not for 100 years, not for 200 years, but for 400 years. And it's getting worse and worse 
And now Moses, after having been gone for 40 years, returns. And this is the message that he brings. He says, God sent me to deliver you. And then you would be overjoyed, jubilation, um, uh, great joy, only to be followed from the highs of great joy to the lows of even greater suffering. You see, after the first couple of meetings that Moses has with Pharaoh, uh, they took away the straw and they made their slavery even worse. But then comes the, ten pl the tenth plague, and the death angel takes the life of every firstborn male in Egypt, but he passes over the Passover. He passes over the Jewish homes that have blood on the doorposts, the Passover lamb. The blood on the doorpost is a picture of the blood of Jesus Christ that, that has been uh, shed for our souls. Well, the news spreads as people shout, we are free, we are free to leave Egypt. Pack your wagons, let's go. No sooner do you get, get down the road and Pharaoh changes his mind and he assembles his army uh, to track you down to kill you. Now comes the Exodus, chapter 14. Look with me at verse 21 and 22. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea dry land. And the waters were divided. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground. And the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. Can you imagine? Can you imagine walking through the, the, the Red Sea and you see this wall of water. Would you be tempted? I mean, you can probably see the fish uh, swimming around. Would you be tempted like to go over and touch it? Like, you know where the sign says, wet paint, don't touch? <laughs> would, would you be tempted? But if you touch it, like, are you going to make a hole and, and it would all spill out? And so they walk through to the other side and the waters return. Not an Israelite was lost, not an Egyptian was saved. What a picture of how things will be at the end of the tribulation, at the end of the millennial kingdom. Not one of God's children will be lost. The Bible teaches eternal security, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. We all have faults, failures, and flaws. But God, but God will get us safely home to heaven if we truly belong to him. And that brings us to Exodus 15. My message for today is experiencing God through thanksgiving. If you really want to know God and walk with God, then you want to have a thankful and grateful heart. Would you please stand with me as I read one of the greatest moments of thanksgiving in the history of the world as they have just experienced the Exodus. Chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord, and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. 
The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare him in habitation. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host hath he cast into the sea. His chosen captains also are drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them. They sank into the bottom as a stone. Thy right hand, O Lord, is become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, hath dashed in pieces the enemy. And in the greatness of thine excellency, thou hast overthrown them that rose up against thee. Thou sentest forth thy wrath, which consumed them as stubble. Drop down to verse 18. Verse 18. The Lord shall reign forever and ever. For the horse of Pharaoh went in with the chariots and with the horsemen into the sea. And the Lord brought again the waters of the sea upon them. But the children of Israel went on dry land in the midst of the sea. And Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a timbrel in her hand. And with all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dances. Miriam answered them, Sing ye to the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. May we pray. Father, thank you. Thank you today for Jesus Christ, who gave his life for us, paid the penalty of our sin, rose again, and now offers this great gift of salvation, of forgiveness, of heaven. I pray if there be one here today or watching online and they have never made that commitment to become a true Christian, I pray today for the Spirit of God to bring conviction of sin, the warning of coming judgment. May they come into your family and experience your great love and power. For each Christian, teach us, show us how we can express thankful hearts. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. In 1869, there was an event held for five days in Boston that is called the National Peace Jubilee. It was the fourth anniversary commemorating the end of the Civil War. The Peace Jubilee met in an indoor coliseum that seated 50,000 people built for just this occasion, and here is an artist's rendering of it. This was a musical extravaganza, and it was the brainchild of a music director named Patrick Gilmore. He assembled, now listen, a choir of 10,000 voices and an orchestra that had a thousand musicians in it. Try to picture it. I mean, there were 200 in the violin section alone. The whole five-day event opened with an ear-splitting rendition of Martin Luther's A Mighty Fortress Is Our God. This is an actual photograph of one of the nights. The climax of each night at the convention was a performance a song I'd never heard before. It's called Verdi's Anvil Chorus, which featured 100 Boston firemen 
with blacksmith's hammers banging on anvils on the stage creating showers of sparks while the 1,000-member orchestra was playing and the 10,000-member choir was singing. In addition to that, locally there are bells from every church tower in Boston chiming. Cannons outside the building fired in time to the music from a button pushed by the conductor. The ground shook for miles around. Dan Wall has requested we get one of those buttons and have some cannons firing blanks around here. It was quite an event. One report said the throbbing audience of 40,000 jumped up and down, madly waving programs, flags, fans, handkerchiefs. One reported that they thought they had gone to heaven. One man rushed from the audience, telegraphed his wife these words, Come immediately. We'll sacrifice anything to have you here. Nothing like it in a lifetime. They're celebrating the end of the Civil War, the darkest period in our nation's history. Well, today we're going to look at another musical celebration that, that took place so very long ago. And those who were there would also say, nothing like it in a lifetime. The Israelites have come through the most traumatic experience of their lives. They're being chased by the Egyptian army. All of the chariots of Egypt, chapter 14, verse 7, tens of thousands of bloodthirsty and angry soldiers. They're still grieving over the loss of their firstborn son. They want blood. They want revenge. They want to kill every Jew. And if they had their way, they would annihilate every Jew and the Jewish nation, and they would cut off God's plan of salvation because God planned for a Savior to come through the Jewish nation. But God's plans cannot be stopped. God's plans cannot be thwarted. God's plans cannot be derailed. God will win as our choir sang today. And he is setting the world stage right now for his return. There in your notes. The Lord shall reign forever and ever. Chapter 15, verse 18. This is the climax of their song. The Lord shall reign forever and ever. Would you say that with me today? The Lord shall reign forever and ever. So how do the Jewish people respond to this exodus? What are they going to do uh, or for God in response to this? Well, they respond with a song of thanksgiving and praise. Now the exodus or the exiting out of Egypt, it is the key event of the Old Testament. I mean, every generation has told the next generation every single year for 3,400 years right down to this last March. When the Jewish people celebrated Passover, they told the same story to their kids. 
This event is not just important to the Jews. It's also important to the Christians. You say, why? Why? Because, because Jesus Christ is our Passover, sacrifice for us. As the parting of the Red Sea was their physical salvation, so Jesus is our spiritual salvation from death and from hell. So let's take a look at the Thanksgiving song. First of all, a Thanksgiving song by Moses, verse 1, chapter 15, verse 1. Men sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord. Did you know that Moses was a singer? Probably didn't know that. Uh, yeah, you know, he's a leader, he's a general, but he's also a singer. And Moses and all the Jewish people, they sang. They, they all break out into singing, spontaneous, exuberant, passionate, heartfelt praise to God. Exodus 15, we don't have the music, but we have the words to their song. It's given to us, it's recorded here. I was wondering, I wonder if it was like the National Peace Jubilee that was sung in Boston, celebrating the end of the Civil War, celebrating their freedom. Wouldn't, wouldn't you have loved to have been there on the seashore as, as these two million people begin to break out in song? It probably went down the seashore in waves of people singing. I wonder what it sounded like. I wonder if it sounded chaotic. I wonder if it sounded organized. They probably were not singing in four-part harmony that some of you grew up singing. Whatever it sounded like, it was magnificent because this is a song that is being poured out of hearts, hearts that are grateful, hearts that are redeemed, uh, hearts hearts that, that, that were facing uh, sheer death and destruction, and now they are worshiping God for their salvation. This is no uh, reserved Episcopalian or dry Presbyterian kind of whispering the song, all right, all four verses. No, 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 no. I mean, they were into it from their hearts on their tippy toes they are singing praise to God they were within an hour of being killed by the Egyptians now their enemy is dead the Egyptian soldiers are in the bottom of the sea or they can actually see them on the seashore stanza one of this song stanza one how God destroyed their enemies, verses 1 to 12. Uh, it was God who did this. They could have been tempted to say, Moses, oh Moses, you're an incredible leader. Look what you did. You held up the rod of God and, and miraculously the waters parted. And today we would be tempted to give praise to the human leader for what God has done. But there's no natural explanation for what just happened. Only God, only God. So look with me at the words of their song of praise. Uh, chapter 15, verse 1. I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. <coughs> the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God. I will prepare him an habitation, a, a place in my heart. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. What a contrast. Remember when Moses first came to Pharaoh? What did Pharaoh say? Oh, who is the Lord God and what is his name? In mocking sarcasm. Now he knows. Uh, verse 4. 
Pharaoh's chariots and his host hath he cast into the sea. His chosen captains are drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them. They sank to the bottom like a stone. Pharaoh and his army have been defeated. Now, scholars want to debate, did Pharaoh actually lead his army, and did Pharaoh die in the Red Sea? Well, the Bible says that Pharaoh's horse was drowned, and I kind of think the only guy riding Pharaoh's horse is who? It's Pharaoh. So I I think that he did lead his army into the Dead Sea. Verse 6, Thy right hand, O Lord, is become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, has dashed in pieces the enemies. In the greatness of thine excellency, thou hast overthrown them that rose up against thee. Verse 8, And with the blast of thy nostrils, the waters were gathered together. The floods stood upright as a heap, and the depths were congealed in the heart of the sea. God's power has no equal. How foolish it is for them to fight against God. Look at verse 9. The enemy said, The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My lust shall be satisfied upon them. I will draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. How foolish it is to fight against God. How foolish it is for people today to fight against God. They were sure they were going to win. And so it is today. People in our country, in our government, around the world, they think they're going to defeat God. They think they're going to defeat Christians. They think they're going to defeat Christianity. Not going to happen. God is not going to let it happen. It would be foolish for you and I to fight against what God is doing in our lives and in our country and world and church. Verse 10, verse 10, easy victory for God. Thou didst blow with thy wind, the sea covered them. They sank as lead in the mighty waters. So there's stanza one, how God destroyed their enemies. One more stanza, stanza two, God has redeemed his people. Uh, Verse 13 and 14, thou in thy mercy hast led forth the people which thou hast redeemed, thou hast guided them in thy strength unto thy holy habitation. The people shall hear and be afraid. Sorrow shall take hold on the inhabitants of Palestinia. This is actually a prophecy. This actually came to true. Nations on both sides of the Jordan River are going to hear about this story and they're going to fear. Did it happen? Oh, it did. Oh, it did. Do you remember when Joshua is ready to go into the land and he picks two spies and they go into the city of Jericho? They meet a woman there. What is her name? Do you know? Rahab. And so Rahab takes them in and Rahab rehearses what God has done in the Exodus. In fact, this is what she says in Joshua chapter 2. We heard the stories. We heard the stories of what God did for you 40 years ago. And I know that God has given you this land. We heard, listen, listen, we heard how the Lord dried up the Red Sea when you came out of Egypt. It was a prophecy and it was fulfilled. Now the pinnacle of the praise comes in verse 18. It kind of reminds me of the hallelujah chorus that we sing. Verse 18, the Lord shall reign forever and ever. The Lord shall reign forever. This is the theme. The theme of this hymn, the Lord reigns. God is the hero, not Moses, not the Israelites. 
There are 45 references to God in 18 verses. They sing about his character. They sing about his power. They sing about his ways. They sing about who he is. They sing about how they feel because of his saving power. And it's not just about their physical salvation. It's also their spiritual salvation. What's the focus of their song? God. God's work. God's power. God's salvation. It's all centered on God. So I think it might be good to ask ourselves how much of our worship our personal worship when you come together in God's house with God's people how much of it is centered on God <coughs> this Thanksgiving I think it'd be a good question to ask ourselves what are we most thankful for when you count your blessings and you will this week what comes to your mind what are you most thankful for and you can you can make a list there in your notes well, we would, we would say family, uh, we would say health, and we would say home, and we would say uh, America and freedom and job. We would, we would thank God for our clean air and water, thank God for food, turkey and apple pie. Thank God we're not vegetarians. Uh, 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 I mean, <laughs> I love Thanksgiving, right? And I love the day after Thanksgiving, it's pretty easy to count our blessings. We have so many. But the point of the chapter and the point of thanksgiving is to be this. We are to be thankful that we are saved. We are to be thankful that we are born again. We are to be thankful that we are forgiven. We are to be thankful that we are redeemed. We're walking a road that leads to heaven. And if you want your worship to be focused on God then we begin by thanking him for saving our souls, the real you. Never, never, never get over the fact that God saved you from hell. You are saved from the lake of fire. You will not pay the penalty for your sins because Jesus Christ, the righteous, the Son of God, loved you died on the cross, rose again, and offers this free gift of salvation. You just have to believe. You have to trust and put your faith in him, and you can experience heaven for eternity. Your salvation will never become precious to you, and you will never truly appreciate what God has done for you until you realize what you have been saved from. These people knew. They knew. They were facing certain death. They were so close at happening to them, to their wives, and their children. And they are grateful. There's a second song. It's a song of thanksgiving by Miriam. A thanksgiving psalm by Miriam. In Exodus 2, remember Miriam, we saw her. She's the caretaker, 8 to 10 years old. Maybe she's 10. And, and when Pharaoh's daughter discovered baby Moses and he cried, she was right there and she said, Ma'am, ma'am, would you like me to get a Jewish nanny to take care of this baby and nurse it? She said, yes, go get her. Miriam runs and brings back who? Jacobet, her mom. Her mom and Moses' mom, and, and, and that's how that happened. So Miriam was a, was a caretaker, but now she is 
going to be a celebrator. Uh, uh, she is 90 years old. 80 years separates those two events. She was there when Moses was saved from the Nile River. Now she is there when all the Jews are saved out of the, out of the Red Sea. What is she? She's a prophetess. Miriam is a prophetess in verse 20. Uh, Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, also the sister of Moses. She's a godly musician. She, she, uh, uh, she has lived under the hardship of slavery, but God spoke to her and God spoke through her. Now, what's a prophetess? A prophetess is, uh, uh, it, it, it is someone, one of the ladies that has been chosen by God to speak for God as a spiritual leader. You know there are some other prophetesses in the Old Testament? Do you know who they are? Well, there's Deborah, there's Huldah, there's one in the New Testament. You know what her name is? Anna. All under the Old Covenant. So a prophetess, God speaks to them, speaks through them. As a child, Miriam had seen the providence of God, and over the years of suffering of slavery, her faith grew. The Bible tells us that in the coming tribulation, there will be men and women who will be prophets, Joel 2.28. But we don't live under the Old Covenant. We don't live in the tribulation. And just because there are Jewish prophetesses under the Old Covenant doesn't mean that women are supposed to be ordained as pastors in the church age. The Bible is very clear. Women are not to be pastors under the New Covenant. God's plan for the church is very clear. 1 Timothy 3, 1 to 7, 1 Timothy 2, 11 to 14. So she's a prophetess. She's also a celebrator, a celebrator. Look at verse 20. Uh, Miriam took a timbrel in her hand. All the women went out after her with the timbrels and with the dances. She's a musician. She's leading the ladies to follow her in this wholehearted, enthusiastic worship and singing. Look at the chorus of thanksgiving she gives in verse 21. Miriam answered them, Sing ye to the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider has he thrown into the sea. You see, these people have been in slavery for 400 years. They go through the 10 plagues. They come through the Red Sea. And when they step onto the shore of the other side, think of it, they're breathing free air for the first time in 400 years. In fact, they weren't even a nation when they went in. There was only 70 of them. Now there's 2 million and Miriam is this model of hope in the midst of what was a hopeless situation. And so she brings forth this chorus of thanksgiving. She's not just singing words. She's not just leading a choir. She is singing from a heart totally devoted to God. Moses and Miriam, they're modeling for us wholehearted, enthusiastic singing to God with others. So church family, it's a message for us. Maybe you don't sing. Maybe you don't sing loudly. Maybe you don't sing enthusiastically. But God is calling us. It's time for a new way to worship, to sing, to sing to God, to sing from the bottom of your heart to the top of your head on your tippy toes if needed. Don't worry about the person sitting next to you. You say, but I don't sing on key. It's okay. If you will sing loud and off key, you will motivate them to begin singing too so they don't have to hear you. 
God says, make a what? A joyful noise to who? Unto the Lord. One of the choir members I was speaking to two weeks ago about singing this song today. As we're talking about it, I said, how wonderful the song is. He said, you know, he said, he said, it's easy to sing in the choir because we know who we are singing to. We know who we are singing for. But that's all of us. We are singing for the audience of one. We are singing to God from our hearts. We better, we better sing with gusto. So whatever gifts, whatever abilities, whatever resources God has given to you, he wants you and I to use them to bless others. He wants you to use them to get the message of Christ to others. Talents and gifts, they're important, but it's more important that we exercise them as humble, loving, and godly servants. This last week, I had an opportunity to hear a, a presentation about the, the rescue of a number of Afghans last August. The story goes back about 20 years. Our missionary Andrew and Sarah Bunnell went to St. Petersburg, Russia. While they were there, he took a phone call, and the phone call, a lady said, there's an Afghan family that has been expelled. They're coming to St. Petersburg. Will you meet with them? And Andrew, he said, my first impression is that this is a setup. The, my, my, my phone is being, being uh, uh, wired and listened to. And he asked a lot of questions, and she finally said in desperation, I've called five pastors, and they have all said no. Would you please take them? And so he said yes. He agreed to meet with them. They came. He met with the pastor, his wife, and the kids. They began having uh, a, a time of fellowship together, began having Bible study together, and this man got saved. This man grew in his faith, and, and, and uh, I'm not supposed to say his name. I did in the first service. But he went, uh, he went back to Afghanistan and became a pastor, and he's planted four churches. And so he's connected with all of the underground churches there. And when August came, now, now Andrew Bunnell, our missionary, is now a mission director in the South. And so through his organization, they began contacting with different special forces units, and they were able to facilitate 27 flights and the airlift out of 10,000 Afghans, 50% of them being Christians, now scattered all over the world. Some left with a small bag, some left with nothing but the clothes on their back. But now they have escaped Afghanistan, and it's still going on. They've escaped Afghanistan, some are in UAE, some are in Virginia, uh, some are in Europe. How do you think they feel? They have nothing, nothing. How do they feel from escaping the Taliban? Grateful, happy, peace-filled, joyful. They have a song to sing because they have been rescued. When you come to church, are you celebrating? Are you celebrating your salvation? When you go home today, are you rejoicing that your name is written in heaven? You know, if you come to my house and you come to the front door, there's a a plaque that was given to us. It's kind of worn now, but it, it's, a, it's an oval plaque, and it has this on it. It says, The Wendells. 
And the reason that's on uh, by our front door is because that's our home. Many years ago, Jody mixed cement in little boxes, and she wrote the names of our kids in the cement, and then and they put their handprints in that. And, and if you come to our home today and you walk up the front sidewalk in the bushes mix, you'll see these, these little, little blocks of stone with the names of our kids and their handprints. You see, our names are written there because it's our home. As I said, they're looking a little worn over the years. But I want you to know there's another home and every Christian, my name, your name, is written down in an eternal home. And today in heaven, it sparkles as bright as it did the day that God wrote it there. And yes, we can thank God for a thousand little things, and we should. But they all pale in comparison to the one great big blessing of the gift of God, Jesus Christ, and our salvation. The wages of sin is is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so my question is, is your name written down in the Lamb's book of life? And if it is, you have a new song. You have a reason and a motivation to be able to sing. This can be your greatest thanksgiving ever. How? By today, making a commitment to become a true and genuine follower of Jesus Christ. You can become a child of God. And with a humble heart, you can turn from sin to Christ. He will forgive you. He will write your name in heaven. You can be saved. And you'll have something to sing about. May we pray. Father, thank you for this great celebration. There have been great celebrations around the world, those, those escaping Afghanistan, uh, those celebrating the end of the Civil War, the great celebration of coming through the Red Sea in the Exodus. But Lord, our greatest celebration is coming to know you. And I pray that our passion and love and giving thanks will never wane. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You'd say, Pastor, I have, I have a reason to sing the new song of salvation. I have been saved. If you're not ashamed of Jesus Christ and you have a song to sing of giving praise to God, would you simply raise your hand all over the congregation? You know that you're saved. You may put your hands down. You say, Pastor, I, I, I want to know that I'm saved. I want to have assurance that heaven is my home. God wrote through John, these things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God that ye may know ye have eternal life. And if there's a tug in your heart and you're not sure, I invite you to pray with me today. Right now, right now. Pray with me from your heart. Dear Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that he died for me and that he rose again. And right now I trust him. I trust him as my Savior. Please save me today. Give me the assurance that I know that heaven is my home. Heads about, eyes are closed. If, if you prayed from your heart, that was God that gave you the gift of faith, would you simply raise your hand Hold it up high for a moment. 
Yes, Pastor, I pray with you. I meant it. Anyone at all? Anyone at all? God bless you. Thank you. Anyone else? Yes, Pastor, I pray with you today. I've asked Jesus to become my Lord and my Savior. Heads about, eyes are closed. Christian, do you have something to sing about? Do you have something to sing about? Are you singing with all of your heart? Are you coming to this place with a heart that is God-centered worship? And you don't care who hears you sing. You're singing in praise to God. Now, this time we're going to have one voice singing, but you can join as well. You can come to the Lord. You can say, God, I'm going to have a new way to worship. I'm singing from my heart praise to my great God. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. Christian, Christian, do you have a song to sing? Don't say, well, I'm a teenager and it's not cool to sing. Don't say, I don't have a good voice. Just make a joyful noise. Sing to God. Maybe you don't have a, a new song. Maybe you need to come to the Lord today. Father, I pray, speak to our hearts. May we show praise and thanksgiving to our great God and Savior for your great redemption of our soul. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A few days ago, I had the opportunity to interview Pastor Wendell as we look back over the past year and a half. I think we can all agree with COVID-19, it's been anything but normal. So I think you'll, if you sit back, you'll enjoy this. And it's an opportunity for all of us, really, to look in the rearview mirror, see how God has led us as a church congregation through this time. But it's also an opportunity to look through the windshield and know, based on what God has done, he's going to carry us through. Uh, COVID is not over. But um, I think we can see the, the light at the end of the tunnel. But uh, enjoy the video. If we could have the lights, and we'll keep. Well, Pastor, certainly the past 18 months have been anything from normal with the pandemic. Uh, when that all started, certainly there was fear amongst all of us. It was an unknown. And our local uh, governor said, hey, two weeks quarantine and everything will be fine. And then we found out, well, here we are a year and a half later, and we're still dealing with, uh, with COVID-19. You certainly pivoted and switched to online services, um, answering questions on a Sunday night. Uh, to folks and for a church family, uh, you led us very well. I'm just thankful for the way that you kind of stepped to the plate. You made it look easy. You made it look natural. And tonight, I'd like to kind of go behind the scenes a little bit, ask you some questions, because I'm sure it was, was anything but normal. Mm -hmm. Almost four decades in ministry, 
doesn't prepare you for things that we've been through in the right, past uh, right. 18 months. But you were in Guam, right? So when this all took place? Yes, yes. So there you are in Guam. You get word that we're to quarantine for two weeks. What, what was that like, just kind of hearing being, being that far away? It was kind of like being on a roller coaster because here we are, as most know, seeing our, our grandbaby for the first time, Caleb, and having this wonderful, joyful experience and then getting the news and we're halfway around the world. So we go to bed and then we wake up and all this news has transpired back here. And it was startling, it was uh, mind boggling to, to know that we're gonna be shut down. And so I, I received the news that uh, Pastor Eifert preached to an empty auditorium that day. And um, uh, things were still fine there. So, so what happened is we had a, our first Zoom meeting. It was a Zoom staff meeting. Uh, I think they were in Pastor Elstock's office. And then I got the news that, that this could go on for weeks, it could go on longer, but that the offering was $4,000. And uh, um, it, the, the thoughts begin to, to wonder, how do we sustain payroll for church and school? How is this going to go on? Thankfully, God's people were amazing. They figured out how to give online and uh, took care of all of that. But it really was like being in a, a fog, and you're just going to have to hold on to God's hand yeah. to take this next step. But that first offering being $4,000, your mind had to go to, well, we have how many How many people here are we employed here, 80-some? or We have 85 uh, yeah. full-time, part-time between church and school and sure. preschool, and the responsibility and the weight of what's going to happen yeah. uh, to, to everyone. Yeah, so we knew God would supply, but at the time when you're in this, well, well God, please show us quickly how, yes. you, how you're going to supply. Yes. Yeah. How was it like for the, the staff? Um, did you have uh, planning sessions or what to do as far as communicating to the church family? And Well, we did, we did that Zoom meeting. We kept the phone calls going, and then I came back the Friday. I think that was the 20th. And uh, Pastor Matt had asked, hey, could we, it, it's not going to work to do this in the Auditorium Worship Center. Could we set up a studio uh, downstairs in the library? And I said, well, we, we could, but will it work? And so I gave permission for that. <clears throat> I arrived back that Friday, came in here, and that's where we're filming now tonight is in this place. So a lot of memories uh, from this place, but it was, will, will it work and how will it go? And so we... We stepped into it, and uh, it has similar feeling that we have tonight. It's all dark, lights are on, and uh, it worked. Sure. And so I preached the first one, then the second one, and, and it was just the, uh, the guys running the, the sound ministry here, which, by the way, did a wonderful job. Uh -huh. They did, and, and so quickly, too. How, how was it for you to preach to a camera and maybe two or three people in the room, you know, the, the sound team and things, but um, compared to... To speaking to the, the church family in the auditorium at that time. You know, I'd never done that before. Yeah. And uh, first time came in, I came in that door there back uh, towards the, the LLA classroom. I came in and everyone wanted to stay away from me because I just traveled. And uh, even though I traveled from places that didn't have COVID, uh, coming in, uh, everyone was like, maybe I'm a carrier and sure. I'm probably the sure. safest one in the bunch. And don't call for anything because then people will <laughs> think, oh, for sure you've got something. And uh, it, um, it was really a, a unique experience having never done it before. And what came over me was uh, 
an overwhelming sense and, and presence of God. Okay. Uh, being able to, to know that I'm, I'm looking at a camera, but I'm really looking at our church family. Mm-hmm. And so thinking of, of the kids and the teens and the young families and the empty nesters and the senior saints to know that they're, they're on the other end of this. Sure, sure. And to know that God is good all the time. All the time God is good. And to assure everyone, God has this. Yeah. This is in the sovereignty of God. Yeah. So for, for me, I really felt uh, just a presence of God and a peace, yeah. not knowing how long this is going to go on. Well, the church family, um, uh, I just appreciate how come you handled everything. And it's a time when the church family needed that uh, more than ever, perhaps, because of all the unknowns. And I mean, I remember even being uh, nervous about getting gas the first time, you know, I uh, put, put gloves on, you know, am I going to mm-hmm. catch something by talking to, uh, by uh, handling the, the gas pump? So there's just that fear, but knowing that on Sunday we can worship the Lord together in a different way, but um, it, it was a calming factor. For, for, for sure. Yeah, it was different. I, the first couple of times I preached both messages, and then the guy suggested, well, we could just take the live message, record it, and then play it for the second hour. And so, of course, Jody would come in with me often, and uh, I we got into that system. So we're on our way to Dunkin' Donuts. One of our choir members, uh, who you know well, uh, texted, and Jody texted back. And then I get this text back, hey, hey, wait, how how's are that, you preaching and texting <laughs> yeah. at the same time? So our, our secret was out that yeah. I was just preaching it once instead yeah. of twice. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And then you added uh, the special music uh, folks came in. We did. They were wonderful at that, coming in and recording several sets of music so people could sing along at home, and, yeah. and that was very special, too. So then once we get a couple months into uh, you know, the term new normal, Mm-hmm. kind of arised, and we learned a lot of terms, didn't we, over the past 18 months, but that's, uh, we could make a list of things. Uh, Unprecedented. <laughs> yes. How's that? Yes. Yep. Well, even Zoom, you know. Yes. And I thought for myself for, for a little while, well, I don't have to learn how to do Zoom meetings, and mm-hmm. now we do them all the time. So, But um, uh, whether to, to wear masks, not to wear masks, and things as, as we got months into it, um, how did you process that as far as... Uh, this, especially in the beginning, the most challenging season of ministry that I've ever experienced. There's no precedent to go back and look at. And so we check with pastors, other pastors, national ministries, deacons meetings, pastors, leadership meetings, asking questions, asking questions. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's just getting on our knees. I, I know I've spent more time on my knees grappling with God, what do you want us to do? Dozens of very specific decisions and a multiplicity of, of um, positions and, and thoughts. And so it was, I felt like Solomon saying, okay, God, not that I'm Solomon, but he said, I'm a child. I don't know how to come in or go out. And, and I, think, I think we all felt that way. We don't know what we're doing. Yeah. God, help us help us. And so to make the decision, it was always to say the church family is priority, their physical safety, their spiritual safety. And so when we would get into it, if we're going to err, let's err on the side of caution because we just don't know. I I have a pastor friend 
in another state. He preached that Sunday. He got COVID, and here it is 18 months later. He's still struggling wow. with, um, with side effects. Wow. And with me having sarcoidosis uh, for those five years, um, there's the wonderment, what's, if I get it, what's going to happen to me sure. having that pre-existing? So, so many... Uh, so many questions and and that's where on the knees make the decision and then and then if we need to adjust it we adjust it and many times you did because a decision would be made and then it would have to be changed uh, yes yes you know it's uh, as you were saying that and explaining that it's um, it's one of God's promises that he gives us wisdom if we ask him and, and he he did he gave that wisdom it is James 1 5 is specific if you're in the trial yeah. Count it all joy when you're in the trial, ask for wisdom. And I thought if there's ever a time that we're in a trial, this is it. Yeah. And so God, God, would you give us wisdom? Would you yeah. guide us? Yeah, not that everybody was happy with all the decisions made, but that's where uh, the proverb about the multitude of counselors. And I, I thank God for our pastors, for our deacons, uh, lots of meetings, sure. email. I remember Zoom meetings with the deacons. Uh, trying to, to vet different different decisions sure. of, of how to go. And then through that time, as, uh, as the months wore on, it's whether we do the building project or not. So how, how did God work through that uh, topic? Today? That, I think, is one of those moments where um, um, God let it all happen so that if we go forward, it's going to be a step of faith and to be able to trust him and not knowing the future, again, asking the questions, pastors, deacons, leadership, architect, builders. And, uh, but it was a step of faith. Yeah. And to pull that trigger was, was like those priests stepping into the Jordan and uh, the swelling of the, of the river. And once we take the step, we're all in. Mm -hmm. And then to be able to see God do exceeding, abundant, above sure. all that we could think or ask, since um, our anniversary Sunday, beginning the project till now, God has smoothed things like we could have never imagined. Yeah, yeah. But it took the step of faith uh, to be able to do that. So during COVID, you're dealing with um, new things every day, mm -hmm. but still the church family is going through um, different difficulties. Um, I've mentioned to you on different occasions, I don't know how you do it, you know, whether it's um, someone is sick or, or uh, there's a, you know, one of our church members has, uh, has died and gone on to heaven and you're meeting with the family. But th those things were still going on while you were dealing with uh, the changes to COVID. So can you just um, unpack that a little bit for us? You know, how did, how did that work? How did, it, how did you process all that? Yes, it, it was almost like uh, having double ministry at the same time. You have the regular ministry and then you have this COVID ministry that's happening as well. And I recently spoke at the Spiritual Leadership Conference and my session was managing, managing work and family. And when, when, I had, uh, when Jody asked me what my title was, she says, well, good luck with that. <laughs> but yeah. as I, I finished that up with these, these men in ministry and their wives, I said in a, in a ministry our size, typically once or twice a week, there is some type of major life issue happening with one of our members or one of their family members. Mm -hmm. And they're sharing that and asking for prayer. And 
because I said that, I became more conscious of it, and I began to create a, a, a prayer list, a running prayer list with those issues coming up, and I discovered it's not one or two times a week. It's about once a day. Yeah. It's yeah. about once a day. Wow. And, and um, I think the, um, uh, the weight of that plus the weight of the COVID, it, it, um, it made me so much more aware of, of um, needing God's power and yeah. God's strength and the prayers of God's people. And um, <laughs> I, I, I did get my, my shingles vaccine because I had been told that stress can bring out shingles. Sure. And so I should have had shingles five times last year. <laughs> so I, I'm thankful I got those shingles vaccine. But even in the midst of that stress, it's, it's back, to, back to the knees. Sure. God, I just have to give this to you. And I think of how many times I could have been awake all night long with the worry of it. And it's God's church. God gave you that peace. Yeah, it's God's church our family, our lives, our health. It all belongs to God. Sure. And then to, to know that he's weaving this Bible prophecy together. And I think that was another part of the excitement of it. You have this stress and this pressure, but to know God said this would happen. Yeah. God said there was going to be trials and tribulations and pandemics. And, 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 pandemics mm -hmm. and he's orchestrating the world stage for the coming of Christ. And so that, that's like you know the end is coming. And the end is good for the yeah. Christian. That's right. The end is yeah. really good. Yeah. Amen. As you look back on, on the past 18 months, um, is there anything that you could you can say, well, I, I wish I would have done something different? Is there anything that, I mean, you, in that moment, of course, you decided to move forward, but is there anything that you, you would change? The um, I haven't asked that question because it's always been, what's the next thing down the road coming? Sure. Um, I don't. I don't know. Uh, I don't know of any decision that we made that we regret making, and having lived on this side of it with new information, I don't. I don't know of any major thing that we would have changed. I, I do know that um, the the building project was planned as if we knew there was going to be a pandemic. And we didn't. But now we look at it thought, God knew all along. And even through the several years of design and redesign, now it's as if God was ironing the wrinkles, massaging this so that it would be the right building post-pandemic. And so that's really faith building to see that he had this plan. We didn't know it, yeah. but he had a plan. So even in that, those decisions, uh, it's the pro um, um, the providence of God, we'll see that on, in our Sunday sermons, is just amazing. Yeah. And we, we see that. It's, it's like having a front row yeah. seat oh, yeah. Of, yeah. of God at work. Work, working. But we, you have to sit there and watch it happen and then give him the praise for it. Amen. Much to be thankful for when you look back over these, uh, these months and to see how God, God has worked. Yes. Is there an area that as a pastor that you have learned something or grown and um, you know, maybe there's a, a younger pastor someday uh, that would go through a similar situation, and you would you could say, "Oh well, I learned this during the COVID-19 pandemic. You might want to try this." Or, 
anything like that? that you know, let me, let me uh, before I answer it, let me ask you that. As, as a businessman, lots of uh, employees and multiple things going on, yeah. uh, you're kind of on the other side of it too. Uh, what would you say to the young businessmen regarding yeah. something like this? Yeah, I, I would say that, uh, that I learned not to, to plan. I always like to plan ahead, mm -hmm. but in, in this situation, uh, particularly in those early maybe four to six months, you couldn't plan ahead. You could plan, okay, what do I know the facts are right now? Mm -hmm. And ask the Lord for direction, ask the Lord for wisdom, and then then proceed. Um, and uh, I even remember um, it was a Thursday when masks were mandated starting mm -hmm. Monday. And I said, well, I need 300 masks by Monday, and I have none. Oh, wow. Well, God provided 300 masks yeah. till Monday. You know, things like, so I would just say, um, uh, God, God will will provide. Uh, you mm -hmm. just ask Him, and and then do do your best. And and uh, but um, you just can't look way way down the road mm -hmm. because uh, during those times it was better just to deal with the facts uh, as as you know. Yes. Yeah. When when I think about that, of um, how God, I think was preparing me for it with 2019. Uh, we studied the book of Philippians where Paul's in prison. He has all this joy in this great struggle. And I know by the fall of 2019, God gave me a real settled peace that he was in charge. And when things go bad, I'm to rejoice in the Lord. And some difficult things happened that, that fall, that September. We got the news of uh, Mitch Zajac uh, uh, mm -hmm. passing. Uh, Jody and I were speaking out west, and a block from where we were staying, there was a car accident. Two people were inside uh, that the car was on fire, and, and just a tragic thing happening. And, and then 2019, the study of Philippians really taught me that I'm just going to have to rest in God. Mm -hmm. And I used to think about all those commands. Uh, the rest of the Lord, rest in God. It kind of reminded me of taking a nap. And now it's, no, it's, it's, um, it's back. Okay, sit down in the front row seat. Do what you can do. And whatever trial you're in, and it might be the trial of a loss of a family member, it might be a financial setback, it might be a health issue. You do what you can do, and then your rest in God is, it's trust. Yep. You just believe, you obey, you trust. And uh, so that, that was a big thing that I think God prepared my heart uh, for, for 2020 with the 2019. Mm -hmm. And then I, th I think what you said as well is, is I just, I, I get the information that I have. I make my plans loosely. And James talks about that. He says, he says, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. Mm -hmm. And I think of all the things that we had planned for 2020 <laughs> yeah. and, and God God changed those plans, but then to see him work, uh, the church has grown. Yes, we've had people leave, but we've had more people come. Uh, we have, of course, several hundred watching online. Uh, Veterans Sunday was uh, just a few weeks ago, a tremendous Sunday, 800 people and several hundred online, three people saved, um, visitors coming every week. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's just, it's amazing to see that in the struggle and trial, God shines even brighter. Yeah. When you look back in that rearview mirror and just see all that God has done, uh, 
it's just much to be thankful thankful for and, and it's all done during a pandemic only God could do it and I, I think even the Psalms many of the Psalms the Thanksgiving Psalms they are written in times of trial and suffering and I, I think this Thanksgiving season is a reminder to us that we're to praise God like Job whether he gives whether he takes away Blessed be the name of the Lord, yeah. because Amen. he is good Amen. all the time. So here we are, Thanksgiving 2021. Um, how has the, the pressure of COVID uh, relaxed a bit for you? How, how do you find your schedule at this point dealing with that? Oh, we are, I, I feel like when you go through the tunnel and you see the light at the end of the tunnel and the closer and closer you get to the end, it gets brighter and brighter, and that's what I feel like is happening. Okay. Uh, we used to do something with the kids, especially in the Pennsylvania tunnels on the Northeast Extension. When you enter the tunnel, everybody holds their breath. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. And you hold your breath, and you try and make it to the end, and, and then you exhale and breathe in. Or if you're the dad driving, it might be, and yep. you're still breathing. Uh, but um, I, that's how I feel right now. I feel like we're not out of it completely. Yep. Oh, but the light is getting brighter and brighter. Yep. And, and we're, we're almost there. Good. We're almost there. Good. Terrific. Yeah. Well, it's been uh, a pleasure reviewing what God has done over these, uh, these past 18 months. I understand there's some pie coming our way, so maybe we uh, should break and go have that pie. What do you think? That is a perfect way to have a Thanksgiving uh, praise and celebration fellowship. Yeah. Thank you. I want to thank Brother Buckman to join me on that, our young men on staff, uh, Pastor Matt, Matt Turner, Luke, helping to put all that together. We're all going to have a season of trial, individually and collectively. But God will never leave us. He will never forsake us. And you can't read your New Testament without seeing these promises. I will be with you. I will not leave you. I am always going to hold your hand to carry you. And so tonight as I, as I think about each one of us with uh, the big trial, but also the individual trials, do you, do you see God? Do you see God at work? Do you believe in Romans 8.28? You may not know all of the answers. In time, you'll learn some, but some may not come until heaven. And are you willing to praise God even when you can't see the reason for the trial today or tomorrow? Are you closer to God right now than you were March 2020? If not, why not? God brought this into our world and into our lives to make us stronger. The trial of your faith is much more precious than gold that perishes. So I wonder tonight as we have uh, an invitation song, in fact, if we could, let's go ahead and we're gonna sing together in a moment. But is, is God teaching you how to trust in your trial? 
how to praise him in your trial. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for this time we've had to to gather together to think of your wondrous ways in the world, but in particular in our lives, in our church. You have carried us. You have been faithful to us. And Lord, I pray tonight as we consider what you have done to us and for us that our hearts would be prepared for the next trial and the next opportunity to be able to share the good news of Christ, encourage another believer to hold your hand, to let you carry us when we feel that we have lost our strength and lost our way. Christian, would you take a time to meet with the Lord, ask him to grow deeper spiritual roots in your heart that you might praise him no matter what comes. If you're here tonight and Jesus Christ is not your Lord and Savior, you've come to the right place to hear Jesus saves. To hear our Savior say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. To hear the Apostle Paul say, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. We invite you. Here, those watching online, if you don't have 100% assurance that you are a child of God, to call upon him right now, to ask him to be your Lord and Savior. Oh, Father, we want you to have your way in our lives. We want to be the light of Christ to others, starting in our family and church family and beyond. We pray in Jesus' name.